Welcome everybody to Meeting on the Mound. I'm Jake Reiner and I am so excited for this episode today because we get to talk about my favorite baseball movie of all time, Little Big League. A lot of people sleep on Little Big League. It is not in a lot of top five lists out there in terms of baseball movies, but I think it should be in everybody's top five list if you are a true baseball fan. The reason I say that is, is because I feel that everything in the movie is really authentic when it comes to the baseball stuff. Now, you kind of have to suspend some belief there um, and really buy into the fact that a 12-year-old kid can actually own a major league baseball team and also manage a major league baseball team. And that was what drew me in initially when I first saw the movie. It came out in 1994. I think I saw it a few years after that. What really drew me in was the fact that I thought I could become a major league manager. And that was kind of um, my, I, I, I felt a real connection with Billy Haywood, who was played by Luke Edwards. Um, and my a friend of mine who I watched the, the film again with last night told me that I, I am Billy Haywood. I'm just missing a middle part. And so that is just something that I always connected with. And for those of you that don't know, Little Big League is about a 12-year-old who ends up managing the Minnesota Twins. And if you've never seen the film, I would urge you to pause this podcast right now, go watch it and come back because we're going to have some spoiler alerts in this one. Uh, Even though I feel like, you know, 20 plus years after it came out, we can kind of uh, get away with that a little bit. You should have seen the movie by now. But it was released in 1994. It made over $12 million at the box office. I mentioned Luke Edwards, but it also stars Tim Busfield, Dennis Farina, Jason Robards, and a host of others, including real major leaguers and future Hall of Famers like Ken Griffey Jr. and Randy Johnson. I am so thrilled to have this conversation with the director and writer who happen to be brothers uh, on this film. We're talking about Andy and Adam Scheinman. Thank you guys for joining me today. Happy to do it. Good. Fantastic. So just a little bit about the two of you guys. Uh, for Adam, he's the writer. He He's written films like Bait and Mickey Blue Eyes. And Andy uh, is known for producing a lot of Rob Reiner films, uh, some classics, A Few Good Men, When Harry Met Sally. But this one, Little Big League, was his directorial debut. And then you never did another movie after that. So I guess you kind of quit while you were ahead, Andy. Well, I I thought about it, but I, I like behind the scenes a little better. I really enjoyed this, but this was the perfect kind of a movie for me to do because, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of actors to deal with. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can tell, you can tell Kevin Elster do this and he's not going to give you a hard time. So, I mean, it was, it was, um, it was a lot of fun, but there were so many things going on at, at um, Castle Rock that I just, it just never, came to pass. Yeah. And and this this movie um is is a movie that you can rewatch over and over again which we'll get into a little bit of watching this movie with the current uh state of Major League Baseball. It really takes on a whole kind of different meaning with uh as far as some of the scenes go. Um but let's talk about where this idea came from. Um I, I read up on this uh apparently it came from the the mind of Greg Pincus uh who who kind of had this idea and he wanted to 
do the movie uh, about the Kansas City Royals, but you guys ended up changing it to the Minnesota Twins. And I guess I'll toss this to Adam first. Just kind of where did the where did the idea come from? How did you guys get involved in this project? Well, actually, I was involved. Yes, Martin Schaefer at Castle Rock said, uh, "Do you want to take a pass at this?" I had no, you know, uh, I have no idea how it came to. I can probably know, answer that. I, yeah. I, no, ahead, I can Andy. answer that because it was a Castle Rock question. Um, the script came in, and I believe Dustin Hoffman was attached to direct it. No, that, and, that was later. That was oh, later. that was later? Okay. Well, yeah. it, it still came in before I was involved. Um, and then, okay, and then Martin must have gone to, uh, to Adam and said, you want to take a pass, knowing that he knew a lot about baseball. So that, that happened, and then everyone liked that draft and we now you pretty much started i mean you just took the premise and wrote a draft right yeah yeah so yeah yep. t- tell me about tell me about what drew you to this project why why did you why did you feel like you you wanted to uh, take a stab at it well you know it's baseball and i i love baseball it's been my passion since i was really really little you know t- i told I met Casey Stengel and told him I was going to play in the majors, you know, somehow he didn't believe me, but, uh, it's, ever since I was little, I just love baseball. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't a hard decision. Plus I never say no anyway. Right. <laughs> Martin says you want to do it. I go, yes. And so. what, and what about the, the, the idea of changing it from the Royals to the Minnesota Twins, was that just based on, you know, where you could secure a filming location at the Metrodome? Yes. What went into that? Yes. You got it. Yeah, right. because, uh, because uh, you know, no rain days in the Metrodome. That's very true. Very true. You can you can weather the storm out there. Uh, any given yeah. day, but I, but it, but it, it had to, it had to make sense, right? I mean, you had, you, you wanted a team that um, was sort of a lovable loser type of team, right? You wanted that kind of underdog story. Well, small town, I don't think it would have made sense if it was in New York or Los Angeles. Right. You know, but uh, the twins were not, nah. They weren't too far removed from from you know. Yeah, they won. They won the World Series. Well, they were in the World Series in '91, right? Yeah, so it was Puckett and you know Herbeck and all those guys were still around. So it so was more. It was more about the the small town aspect, and then you can kind of do whatever you want w- with the, with the team in terms mm-hmm. of making them bad. Yes, got it. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to get into the. The casting process, because I uh, rewatching the film last night, I I was just so struck by because you you notice certain you notice different things when you rewatch the movies, especially your favorite ones. And one of the things I noticed was was how convincing Luke Edwards was as this kid who was just a complete uh, baseball nerd, a baseball you know he was like a walking encyclopedia of baseball, and he was able to convince you that. Not only did he know all these things, but he was actually a really good manager, not just a player's manager, but a real tactician of the game. And we'll get into my favorite scene in a moment, but I just, I'm just curious about the casting process. Um, how did you guys land on Luke Edwards and how did that go? I'll, I'll toss this to Andy. Well, I mean, it was just, 
about acting as far as that was concerned, because he had, I don't know if he knew first base from third base, um, but Adam did. And all the things that Luke uh, did that made him seem, again, with a little suspension of disbelief, but but seem possible to do this were just the the words and he was a good actor so he could take it and if he didn't get it right he was explained what was going on and and uh you know he he did a great job but it was not um that was the one thing that was the main role that wasn't based on baseball you know every other actor had to be able to really look like he could play and and um you know Luke was Luke just did uh, you know I watched it again last night and the one thing was when the three little boys went into the Metrodome for the first time mm-hmm. and um, they go hey get on first let me see if I can make the throw from third and the kid throws from third and we didn't cut we just followed the ball and it landed and rolled for about 10 seconds right to the kid's hand and he goes yeah good arm that happened once we could do that for 500 times and never would have happened again. Wow. So that was the only baseball thing the kids ever did. And <laughs> they did that. But yeah, it made, it made perfect sense for that moment too. Of course. Yeah, But it was just the odds of that happening were like, okay, maybe, maybe we've got luck on our side here. So I, I love, I love stuff like that. And yeah, if you guys have any, you know, behind the scenes moments, just feel free to throw those out there. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, Luke, he, I mean, you, he really had to carry the film. I mean, he he is the main character, and and you and you have to buy in, buy into him pretty much from the start. And you do, you guys do a really great job of really establishing his knowledge of the game um, from from the jump with uh, with Jason Robards, his grandfather. Um, did you guys see a, a number of different actors for that role? How did that how did the casting process go? For which? For for uh, Billy Haywood. I can't remember. We saw a few. There might have even been one or two known 12-year-olds that we went to, but, you know, didn't, didn't, uh, they didn't have it of either availability or interest. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Adam? I mean, I know, I know you told me that one of the guys, because I was not involved in that part of the process at all, but I know that Andy mentioned one of the kids who was in the uh, softball, I mean softball, the uh, stickball game. Right. Who looks at a baseball card and goes, nah, not even close. That mm-hmm. he was sort of a front runner until uh, Luke showed up. Wow. Or he was certainly also, being, you know. <laughs> also, there were, we got kids in Minneapolis, and one of the kids in the stickball game was Vinnie Kartheiser, who went on to be a star in Mad Men. Yeah. No way. So that, yep. That, yeah, that was weird. He's the one, yeah. uh, any good Bond? Yeah. He's, I'm okay. That guy went on to be a star of Mad Men, you know, one of the stars. That is wild. I love that. And I, I, I didn't know that. Um, so Tim Busfield plays Lou Collins and Lou Collins is the sort of, I guess you could say father figure to Billy in, in the movie. He ends up uh, dating uh, Billy's mom. They end up uh, getting engaged in the, uh, in the last scene of the movie what was that what was that like to try and find uh, a guy that could play Lou Collins because I mean he ha- he had to have some skill level at baseball and I read somewhere that he was cast as another role and you ended up moving him 
to play Lou. So I'm wondering what role was he originally cast in? You want me to answer it? Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Uh, well, I read that he was cast in. I don't remember that particularly. I know that there was discussions that he might play Jerry Johnson, who mm. was ended up being played by Dwayne Davis. But I don't ever remember that happening. I don't remember but it either. There was, yeah, but there was an actor who we loved, and he couldn't get out of, uh, I think it was a TV pilot. It was. That he, and um, this guy was uh, how I had always envisioned the character, which was the, like a Lou Gehrig didn't speak very much, and when he spoke, everybody listened. And this guy was about 6'4", and he played college baseball, and so we got really lucky, I think, to get Busfield. And Busfield, sort of Busfield could play, could right? Yes. Yeah, he played semi-pro. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> should I tell the story end about Sure. Sure. So he, he came in and he said, look, I know I don't look like a baseball player, but I played my whole life. I led the state of Arkansas in RBIs in high school, went to the Mickey Owen baseball camp every year. And I knew, you know, that that was considered a, a real good camp down in the South. And he had a whole story about how he had had to serve. I don't know if it's Coast Guard or something. He came back to East Tennessee state and he went out for the team and he, he had to face a guy he didn't know and it turned out it was Atlee Hammaker who pitched for the Giants for a long time it was a really tough lefty and Busfield goes I couldn't hit him at all I didn't if I had known it was going to turn out to be Atlee Hammaker was going to turn out to be Atlee Hammaker I might have kept up with it but I just said you know I've lost it and then later on he said to me yeah I made all that up <laughs> which by the way is you know you want to be an actor that's that's part of the deal you know have you ever have you ever done any ski jumping? Yes, I have. I have. I have done a lot of ski jumping. I mean, it's just then you worry about it. But definitely. He, but we also saw everybody. You know, I, although did we see him play at all, Adam? No, no. I'd seen. I'd heard him talk about his. Uh, he, he would go on Letterman, and he was always talking about playing semi-pro. So I knew on some level. I, I, I was aware that he had played baseball. Didn't well, because it was really, I mean, we wanted him to be as good as possible because obviously you can do so much more if you don't have to cut away, you know, where you can, we had a lot of plays that we set up where you would see him throwing uh, from right field into, into first base to home without cutting, you know? Right, you had that. You had that relay play. Yeah, the, and and, mm -hmm. and we had variations of those kind of things, and they just added a little verisimilitude. Is that the word? But it, mm -hmm. it just, it just um, and you couldn't do it if you couldn't if you couldn't do there's, it. There's one. There's one shot in the movie that Andy gets no credit for, which is the opening. You come into the Metrodome, and there's a wide shot of Busfield at bat, hitting a single and running to first. Well. It looks like we just used film or something, but it was actually Busfield doing that. Amazing. I noticed that last night because of how he ran. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it was cool too because he he gets on first and he and he interacts with Wally Joyner and already you're like, oh my god, there's Wally Joyner. What other what other players are gonna pop up in this movie? And throughout the movie, you see Carlos Baerga, you see Sandy Alomar Jr., you see Pudge Rodriguez, and of course I mentioned already Ken Griffey Jr. and Randy Johnson, and just all of these different ball players. Even you know you mentioned Kevin Elster. Uh, he played, he was Pat Corning. He played the shortstop and he was a real major leaguer too. How were you guys able to get all of these major leaguers, uh, to agree to be in this movie? And they were pretty, they, they were decent actors from what I, from what I gathered too. Well, what happened is, um, I was offered, um, a choice. This was the first year that editing went to a thing called an AVID, which was the beginning of literally not cutting the film and taping it together and then looking at how that changes the scene and then untaping it and taping the next thing. It took forever. They said, look, you can have an AVID or you can have the 200,000 that that would cost to get 20 major leaguers. We'll try and get them for 10,000 a day. And everyone, everyone was, um, you know, same cost, you wanted to do it or you didn't want to do it. And even Griffey, I believe, although he was a couple of days, but, um, and once a couple of people did it, I think everyone thought it'd be fun. It, it seemed like, but we didn't, we got a lot of, didn't get a lot of no's. That, and, th- uh, that to me is, is one of the most impressive parts about the film, the, the, the star power in the, in the movie. I mean, just all of these future hall of famers that, at the time, they were still when the movie came out. Obviously, still playing. We didn't know that they were going well, to. Griffey was what? He was twenty-two or twenty-three. He was right. like the, the phenom. Maybe, maybe at most, at most twenty-four. I mean, he was young. Yeah, he, he was, was young. He was an, an, an incredible and star it, at the time. Adam um, reminded he was, me of a, he was baseball. Yeah, yeah. but you know um, what? It was funny. Is we'd go okay, these guys are coming in, and then we just wing it. You know. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. we're going, okay, we got Dean Palmer and Palmero. Uh, all right, swinging bunt, or I guess a bunt down to third. We'll have Palmero throw over to, you know, I mean, uh, Palmer throw it, you know? Right. That, right. Nothing and was in the script. We just go, well, we got these guys. What are we going to do with them today? Is that is that how it went with all the baseball plays? You just kind of came up with them on the, on the spot? Except for the, the, you know, trick plays. You right. know, whatever, and, and, if you want to Griffey, call it that. The Griffey catch at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like Elster, Elster's goes, you know, I could, I could just catch it in my glove and flip it. And he shows that. He says, is that anything? I go, oh, that's great. So, you know, that slow motion in, in the montage. Right. I mean, it wasn't like we scripted it, but, but these guys are so great. The funny thing, and Adam reminded me of this, um, we had Elster was still in the middle of his career, but he had hurt his shoulder. So he wasn't playing that year. We said, well, you gotta be able to, we've gotta, you've gotta be able to make a throw. He goes, as long as we do it a little bit later, I can do it. I mean, I, I could do it now, but, I, but it, I'd rather wait a little while. So we keep saying, never see him throw a ball. He said, you, Kevin, he said, I got it. When it's time, I'll do it. Finally, it's time. And if you remember, he makes a, sh- a throw basically from short to second on one hop mm-hmm. and that yeah, was you, know, you know how they you know how they'll bounce a ball on, on a long throw on astroturf yeah it worked perfectly first well 
Yeah, he he did it from short to second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a ball in the hole, and he and he was able yeah, to, yeah. to bounce it to Mickey Scales, yeah, yeah, which never happens in real base. So I, I I turned to Adam and I said, "Well, it looks like we got Kevin Elster for his acting." <laughs> you know, so he was a major leaguer. Uh, Brad Leslie was a major leaguer who played blackout Gatling, mm-hmm. and um, and then uh, Leon, Leon Durham. Um, was a re- he was retired, obviously, right? Or was he not? Yeah. Nope, he was retired. Yeah. Leon Boldrum was the was the backup first baseman. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And when, when we were, uh, Adam reminded me this the other night, when we were casting, who was it that you said he'd be really good? Um, and, and I, uh, was it? Oh, Lenny Randall? Yes. Yeah. Because then we could have Lenny Randall at second and this and Elsterich. And I said to him, you know, we're not actually making a real team here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're looking for people that can act. And uh, Well, Tony Todd was great as as Mickey Scales. I, I totally, totally bought into him being the, the, the rookie on the team. And I actually have a, uh, a question for you guys about, about him a little later. But you guys filmed at a ton of different ballparks. Uh, we mentioned the Metrodome. You filmed at Yankee Stadium. No, uh, no, no, you no, didn't. No, no, that, did was not... Comis- that was Comiskey Park with the then very new um, computer generated Yankee Stadium. Wow. Um, facade and all that so you filmed so you so you filmed the obviously the 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 white Sox scenes at comiskey park but also yep. the the yankee scenes and the yankee scenes paul yep. o'neill and everything but, yeah. but and what uh, about and what about fenway park and it, and, it was snow, and it was snowing second unit did fenway right in uh-huh yeah fenway we, we went to right yes it was second we unit did. i was second there. second unit did yeah wow yeah so what was that what was that like filming at uh these major league ballparks. I mean, I assume you did it in the off season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was what? freezing. It was freezing in Chicago. Any stories there about, you know, maybe difficulty with, uh, with, with having a, like a ton of extras. I'm not sure if like you filled the ballpark or that was mainly CGI or cardboard cutouts or, or how you, there was that. The, no, it was cardboard cutouts with, with t-shirts on them. <laughs> and we moved everybody, you know, we'd have shots and you'd move everybody from the right field line over to behind the catcher for a shot. And then you'd move them, you know, cause we had a lot of as many extras as we could have. And then people would be moving the cardboards and things like that. And then the one shot at the end was a pretty full house when Billy walked with, you know, they're still there who everyone. And he goes out and they're yelling his yeah, name. I think it was, what was it? Fan fan appreciation night. Right. And they in, said, uh, basically Minnesota. you got 15 minutes to do this. Wow. And it was a so, fairly complex, steady cam shot and, you know, it's pan around the whole thing. And uh, it really got to Luke. I mean, he was pretty moved by it because he's sitting out there and, you know, 50,000 people are screaming for him. Um, excuse me, Mr. Haywood, but um, uh, they're still here. Who? Everybody. So what was that like to direct an entire, like a filled ballpark like that to react to Luke coming out of the dugout? Well, we, there was 15 minutes was the entire entirety. And we just made an announcement. This is what, this is what this is. And this is the biggest moment in 
Minneapolis history and <laughs> let them let them know let them know you're happy or whatever. I mean, and, and they went they they're in a movie. They're in they get to be in a movie. They went nuts. Wow. So did you have to cool. sign? Did you have to sign like fifty thousand waivers, or or just it was just a kind of they, they were, were pretty all... hard. To, they were pretty hard to identify. So. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, that's didn't like, really. that's awesome though, because I, I did wonder. I mean, with those big crowd shots, that was that, that's really cool. That it was that was fan appreciation, a fan appreciation night. Um, I, I want to move over to to some technical questions about um, Billy Haywood as a manager, and. Um, I'm excited about this because I have a bunch of of takes for for my opinions on on him as a manager, and I want to get your guys' opinions on some questionable managerial decisions that that he made. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite scene in the entire movie is when uh, Billy is uh, telling uh, the general manager and the pitching coach that he wants to be the manager of the team. Not that easy. There's a lot to this game. A lot. It's all situations, situations and tendencies. And the more you've seen, the more you know what to do. Okay. Try and it's on the heels of, of one of my favorite, favorite lines, uh, which is w- w- when he's talking to his friend Chuck and he goes, you know how hard <laughs> it is to manage? And Chuck goes, it's the American League. They got the DH. How hard could it be? Love that! Line. I, I, I saw that last night, and I said, "Boy, I forgot that what a great line that is." And that Such was, a that was brilliant Adam. line. Of course, it was Adam. Yeah. Um, but so, you know what was really funny is in the movie theater, that would get unbelievably hard laughs from half the audience and dead silence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of people go, they had no idea what the DH was. Right? No, and you that's <laughs> because that's why it is a true baseball fans movie because you understand what what the intricacies are of when you're managing a team with a DH and when you're managing a team with the pitcher hitting. And uh, a a lot of the conversations that I have with uh, a couple of my co-hosts on another podcast that I do called The Incline, we talk about this all the time with the Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts, about how he really does need the the DH. He manages much better when he has the DH and doesn't have to think (laughs) about double switches and pinch hitters and all of that stuff. But it is such a great line that moves us into that scene where uh, Mac, the pitching coach, comes up with these uh, comes up with this situation that he tests Billy on how he will uh, attack the situation, and he sets it up. There, there's a tie game, and and Billy asks, you know, who's warming up for the Yankees, who's coming up for the uh, for Yankees right. in the ninth yeah. inning, and all the all the situations, right? And it's a great moment because when you look at it through the lens of how Major League Baseball has evolved, and how we've gotten away completely from small ball. You're not seeing guys bunt anymore, guys steal anymore. It's very rare that you see that. And Mac's point of view is, well, of course, you've got a runner on first. You've got Lou at the plate who's a lefty. you got a lefty on the mound. You lay down a bunt. You move the runner over to second. And you basically have a guy in scoring position with less than two outs. Then Billy says, no, you you don't. Can I, can I just ahead. say one thing that I never realized until way later? I believe, because I, 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 I haven't watched the movie in a while, I, I think the pitcher was Jim Abbott, and that was totally unintentional. I think it, I think you're you know, right. Abbott, because, you know, he, I don't know if you know who he is. Yes, I do. He had Okay, so that really was, of all the pitchers, I don't know why I had to pick him to get into a discussion of whether to bunt or not. I felt bad about that. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Because he for, only for had... anyone who doesn't know, he he had one. Oh, hand. sorry. 
one arm yeah. and it was le- and he was left-handed yeah. yeah um but yeah no that, yeah. that is really funny and yet you couldn't bunt on the guy you, he was you know, really good he was a really good fielding pitcher yes yeah so yeah that that, that wouldn't have worked um but but, but just, i think what anyway. was i think what was what was great about that scene is the depth to which and this was all adam the depth to which billy answered what mac thought was going to be a fairly straightforward question right how many outs okay homer away away what um but the great yeah. thing, the great thing about that is you see Mac's reaction when he asks, okay, what, you know, are we home or away? Who's yeah. warming up in the bullpen? You see his reaction, his like, oh my God, like this guy is, this guy wants to know more information about the scenario I just gave him. It sounded as if it should be straightforward, but essentially what, what, what Billy ends up saying is that you don't want to, you, you take the bat out of Lou's hands, the number three hitter, then they walk the next batter and then they bring in the, the guy with the palm ball who can essentially induce a ground ball double play. That came from, I just happened to remember a discussion that uh, Reggie Jackson talked about where he bunted in that situation and Earl Weaver was managing the Orioles and pretty much let him have it. And, and Earl Weaver said exactly that. Basically, so, why, why you are know, you, you know, why what are, are you, you doing bunting? You're taking, we lose you. Then they're going to, you know, it was that same. So that was a, a scenario that, occurred with the Orioles and I just remembered that conversation you know it's, where Reggie Jackson said it got laid out to him in great detail <laughs> by Earl Weaver yeah no anyway. it, it's it's such a great scene if if you don't watch the movie I would encourage you just to watch that scene because it, it is it is it, it kind of sets up the rest of the movie and you're kind of like okay this kid's got something that nobody else has and I just have a a question about um, who Billy Haywood was modeled after, if he was modeled after anyone, any any particular manager or any collection of managers? No. 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 It would just be hodgepodge stories I'd heard and, you know. Um, Here's my... A friend of mine who was a who is still a, a Division One basketball coach, and I liked the way he handled guys. He would tell me some pretty funny stories, so I sort of uh, incorporated some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and in it, and and the and the one thing I want to bring it back to is is that if you look at it through the lens of how baseball has evolved and how the sacrifice bunt has kind of gone by the wayside, it's it's virtually non-existent in the American League. It's more prevalent in the National League with the, with the pitcher hitting. And the idea is, is that you don't want to waste any outs. You have, you only have 27 outs to work with. You don't want to waste an out. You definitely don't want to have your number three hitter bunt. And I've had that conversation thousands and thousands of times. Um, Back when bunting was more prevalent, I would get into arguments or not arguments, but my, my, my dad and I would, would yell back and forth, but in agreement about how, how are you going to take the, you're taking, you're basically destroying the heart of your order if you if you lay down a bunt in that situation, yeah. and yet and yet Lindor keeps doing it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He um, does. He does. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I assume. I, I assume, banana, Adam, you're a Mets does. fan. I am. Yeah. I am. For my first time directing uh, 
Jason Robards was very interesting and he was great. I mean, you know, after about a minute, he goes, Hey, listen, this is great. Just, I wish I was, I wish I was doing this longer. It's true. And, 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 and a true testament to how good he was is that he's only in the movie for about 15 minutes and then he's gone, but you still remember him. You still remember him as Billy's grandfather. Of course they, they, you know, call back to him a number of times in the movie, but his presence was, was definitely known. I wanted to ask you guys, he was was great. I wanted to ask you guys now we're going to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty about Billy as a manager. First of all, what do you think made Billy such an effective players manager and in-game manager? (laughs) Uh, And I think he read exactly what was on the, on the, on the page. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he had a clue what he was talking about. I know, I, mean, just, I know you're not talking about Luke. You're talking about uh, Billy. The character, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Um, I think it was just another part of um, our attempt to make it as real as possible because you, he just knew um things like you're not you're too tight you you're supposed to have fun it's still a game and and it's um uh he just knew things that had happened he had such a wealth of knowledge that he just knew how to handle things i mean in watching last night i was really impressed when they were all giving him a really hard time right at the beginning and he basically goes look it's not like you guys are doing so well, with, you know, with O'Farrell or or the or last year. You know, maybe it's you. Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a, you know, a pretty smart look. Listen, basically, he couldn't do it because he's twelve years old, you know. But it's it's like this is where it's a movie where you just it's made up for the for the betterment of the movie. It's not really thinking about um, how would he, mo- you know, just how how will he let them know he's someone they should listen to. And by right at the start saying, look, try hard for two weeks. And if you if you don't, if, if I don't do any well, good, I'll, I'll fire myself. Right. And and then he he um, has the. Well, he also I mean, the 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 one very conscious one where I go, okay, don't, you know, you don't throw a player under the bus, even if the player. Yeah. Well, that's what I, yes, exactly. That's I what love I that moment. Say. I love that moment when they ask him about the, the double steal or the, the, the steal mm-hmm. that he called. And he the, says, the hit, and, I, run. The hit, the and, hit run. and run, he called the hit and run, but they, the yes, reporters asked him hard. about that steal. And he said, if he had to do it over again, he would call for a hit and run. Now that was, that was so, right. so brilliant that he decided not to throw. Cause Mac was about to throw his, his player under the bus, yes. but he, he mm-hmm. said, no, don't, you know, don't do that. Um, yeah, he, so I, as, as a baseball person, and, and I want to get your guys' takes on this, uh, you know, cause I want to talk, I, I want to talk about this movie as if we're, three guys talking about our, our favorite team and we're, we're kind of critiquing, you know, the, the moves, sort of the Monday morning quarterback of it all. And one of the decisions that, that Billy makes uh, is to bench Lou Collins. And 
obviously it, it's it was about the fact that that Billy was going through a rough time and 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 Lou was dating his mom and and he kind of tells Lou that you know he's not concentrating enough and that's why he's slumping and if he concentrated more on baseball that he would you know be playing better but my question to you guys is is you know do you agree with his decision to bench Lou and did it cost them a spot in the playoffs because remember they were they were what four games out with four games to play and yes would would leaving no, Lou no, Collins- it was a, he was a it was the one time he was a little kid it was exactly what that's exactly what I was going to say. It proved the point that he was in over his head because he, he let emotions take over. And you never he would. There's no way you, you bench Lou Collins ever. No chance. No and, chance. Yeah. And um, so that was the whole premise that he realized, I, I don't want to do this. I want to be a kid. Right. Yeah. So that's that sort was, of the, that was for the emo. That was the key, you know. Uh but it may but not. It may not have. It may. It may not have come down to a a four. You know, a four game swing at the end. If if maybe he left him in, who knows? Maybe they could have won a, cu- a couple more ball games. You no would, question. You, but, so. you know, but but for the movie, and I mean, a big thing was ending the movie the way we ended it, which was, I think, the right way. I know Adam thought it was the right way, and I think. The way people go to movies, they'd rather that Griffey didn't catch the ball and it was a home run and the Twins won. But it just seemed right that this kid wasn't ready. This is not his time. Maybe it was the maybe it wouldn't have come down to that if he had benched, but he did bench Lou and he lost his friends and and this kid was spinning out of control and now he's done and he's I'm sorry I screwed everything up. And and he goes, uh, and the the security guard comes in and says, "They're still out there. Who? Everyone." So no, Billy, you didn't screw it up. You did great, and we all love you. So right. that was that was that. I agree with that. I agree with that entire take too. But I'll add I'll add this to to that because I had some time to think about whether or not I like the fact that the Twins lost, and I think I really do from a from a pure baseball fan's perspective because. In this game of baseball, you fail more times than you succeed. And if you are a fan of a team, you go through so much heartache and heartbreak every single year. And as a Dodgers fan, I talked about this many, many times growing up, never saw them play in a World Series. I was born after 1988. So we had season after season of just disappointment. And even when they've been, you know, at the top of the National League for the past decade or so, it still has been such a disappointment to get to the end and always lose, whether it's in the NLCS or in the World Series. And so for a baseball fan, this is the feeling that that you have when you follow it when you follow a team and they get so close and they and the rug gets pulled out from under you. That's why I like the ending of yeah. it as well. well and I, mean, I always like those situations when they stand and 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 applaud the team instead of, you know, turning on them or you know, but I mean, you know, I mean, Andy and I were both tennis players, you know, and, and the thing that I will say is, okay, they just finished Wimbledon. There were 128 players in the singles draw, 127 lost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just sports. That's sports. Losing it is. is huge. It's, you know, it's what, what it's about. You just got to deal I, with it. I'll tell you that there was a good story with that the uh, 
game ending catch by Griffey. Um, and um, it, it was completely different directing Ken Griffey than any of the other baseball players, anything else. He, he definitely had an aura about him. It was unbelievable. And we had to get a, a, a literally like a motorized cart to keep up with him with the camera. He, he just ran so fast. He doesn't look like he's running fast because he's so smooth. And I wanted it to look like all the guys were reaching over to try and catch the ball, but I didn't want to block Ken Griffey. And I said, listen, I can get the first three or four guys right near where the ball's being. We'd throw the ball from off camera and he'd jump up and jump up and catch it. I said, I can keep, uh, keep them from like grabbing your mitt or anything. He says, he point, points to his glove, says, see what it says right here? Gold glove. You throw it up, I'll catch it. <laughs> and and he did. And I went, uh, so, yeah, sorry. And the other one was when I said, can you uh, hit one in, can you pull one in, in the upper deck down the right field line? He goes, yeah, just pitch it, you know, low and inside. Well, no, and, what, hap- what happened was he wasn't ahead. doing it. He was hitting these, he was just hitting No, I know. Babies. And then all he did was hit five line drives. So Andy goes, you know, what, can you, can you get some lift? He goes, I need, I need you to throw it. I, told, I told you easy. I needed it inside. So we go to the, ca- so we go to the catcher, our catcher and said, uh, what's well, no, going the pitcher on? Goes, I got a pitcher goes, I got to throw to a target. He goes, yeah. I can't just throw inside. I need a target. And then the yeah. catcher goes, if you think I'm setting up inside on Ken Griffey in a nothing, nothing game, <laughs> <laughs> that actually, that discussion happened. Oh, it's such a, and such Andy, a baseball Andy said thing. To him, uh, Andy, Andy said to him, you know what? I'll take the letters. Don't worry about it. Right. Just yeah. set up inside. And I literally believe it was the first pitch and he just nailed it into it the was. upper deck. Crushed it. It was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on, so, that's actually a perfect segue because I have a few more questions about Billy's managing uh, tactics. So in the, in the movie, King Griffey Jr. hits an absolute missile off of Bill Wedman. And the whole time, <laughs> and the whole time, Joey, one of Billy's friends is, is advocating. Why you, you got to start Wedman? He kills the tigers. And yeah, yeah. That's why he's three and seven. Um, the yeah. whole time he's advocating for Bill Wedman. So I got two questions. One, why does Joey love Bill Wedman? And two, was it the right decision to start Bill Wedman in that game? I, well, I got my personal. Neither one of us ever saw Bill Wedman throw a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did not look imposing on the mound. I'll tell you that. But but um, <laughs> but I my take is Billy was done. You know, I mean, he wanted to win. But his whole thing was, let's just have fun. You know, let, this is going to be fun. I'm going to start Wedman. He, no one's going to expect their heads are going to explode. They're not going to, you know, they'll, whatever it is. It was just, that was a movie thing. That was, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a movie. And you had this thing that was set up three or four times. And how do you pay it off better than in the final game of the season and he's shutting everybody out. Could so there's no reason to have taken Wedman out because he's got through six scoreless innings. Right. But you could argue up, he shouldn't have started him, but but at that right, point, right? But he didn't. He didn't have a bad outing until until. So junior, he obviously got past Griffey. You know, a couple he, times. 
couple times, yeah. 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 Why did why did Joey like him so much? He's you a know, twelve year old knucklehead. On. He's a knucklehead and you know, you grow up and you latch on to guys, you know? Yeah. I, In my I because Joey 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 was the least sophisticated. He loved baseball, but he didn't really know it. Like um uh I, I don't remember the character's name. His name was Billy Sullivan. The other kid, Chuck. he's the one who said they got the DH. How hard can it be? So he knew a little more. But I figure this kid just, he liked the way he looked or he liked, you know, or he yeah, got we it. don't really know why we like some of the players we like, even if, even if they're not the best players. Yeah. I it totally was his get first baseball exactly. card he ever got. Yeah. 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 Uh, a couple other questions for you. Why does Billy always let Mickey scales hit? There's a number of there's a number of times in the movie where Mac goes to Billy and he says, "You really want to let Mickey hit here?" And then uh, Kevin Elster is, you know, it comes up to Mickey Scales and, and Mickey goes, "I really like this kid." And and uh, Elster goes, "Yeah, he's the only one that thinks you can hit." I'm wondering why he believed in Mickey Scales so much. Uh, movie convention. I just, yep. I just, I think you're, I think you're, you're overanalyzing. I mean, I think if we really, really, no, let's get into Andy. Let's get into the weeds, man. That's what I'm all about. No, right but now. I'm saying there were no weeds. <laughs> there were no weeds in this. This, that's a version. See, you're. This is perfect. You, your knowledge of baseball and 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 depth of understanding is like Adams. Whereas mine, I, I know all sports pretty well, but it's it, there's a limit. And at some point, <laughs> it's a movie. And just like I'm saying to Adam, you know, we're not really putting together a team to compete in the major leagues. We need some actors. We need some people that can deliver a line here and there. And um, he was excited about getting all these ex-major leaguers or whatever. And it's the same with this. It probably could have been set up but uh, you know i think he just believed in him you know uh but but i don't think there's a great reason if if everyone i mean basically it, it's just one of those and and um william goldman would call it refrigerator logic if you don't talk about it until after the movie and you're sitting by the refrigerator it's fine <laughs> if it takes you out of the movie when it happens you got to change it I just, and it might have taken you out, but it didn't take any, you know, most people out. I mean, as as someone that has seen the movie a million times, I'm always rooting for Mickey Scales. And I think that that, like we just talked about with Bill Wedman, we don't know why we get attached to, to the players we like. And and similarly, <laughs> when, when, when Billy uh, has to cut Jerry from the team, he really struggles with it because this is a guy yes. that was his, one of his heroes. And so I think I think Mickey Scales definitely represents that, and I'm glad that he you know kept kept sticking with him, even though you know he he didn't really uh, perform until the last game where he you know hit that uh, that that three run homer uh, in uh, to tie the game. So yeah, I I, I always you think know, about Tony, those things. Tony Todd was a great high school running back, and then he got injured, and mm-hmm. and um was a really, really good baseball player. And he, he was it at the, uh, our, he came to the tryouts at the field, right? Um, he just showed up on his own. He wasn't invited. Oh, he wasn't invited. He and showed they, up and said, hi. He goes, hi, I'm, I'm Mickey scales. Yeah. And we went and watched and we went, yes, you are. Wow. What, what <laughs> made you, what made you decide that, 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 that he was, he was right for the part. 
he had well, what happened, but but the guys um but also you know andy decided to see if they could play baseball first you before know before reading like, them yeah and so no idea if mickey you know i mean if uh he could read the lines but on the field he he really jumped out mm-hmm. yeah he was you know. he was super athletic so my final my final yeah. uh, nitpick question for you guys is and because I know you guys are really enjoying this I think Adam is enjoying it more than Andy but <laughs> my question is does Billy ever manage again and and I've thought about this too because he says at the end that he's gonna step down and that Mac's gonna take over and Jerry's gonna come back as a hitting instructor and all that and he says hey if things don't go well in junior high I may I may be back. And knowing what we know about Billy, who's not the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to school, <laughs> and he kind of you know reiterates the same volcano project uh, with with Mount Vesuvius uh, after his you know debut with Mount St. Helens, or no, the, it's the other way around. I can't remember, but anyway, um, we know that he's not the best student, so maybe he does come back after junior high. Do you think he ever, do you think if this, if this movie were to be made into a sequel or some sort of Netflix 10 part series or whatever, um, do you, do you think he eventually comes back to manage at some point? I I think if it were made into a series, you'd have to figure out why you'd want to make this into a series. (laughs) So there might be some reason to do that, but I think the joy is he was a 12 year old. I don't think he really, Listen, when he gets older, he's going to realize I'm really rich. <laughs> I don't have to manage baseball. Right. I, I can own, I can just own the team. Yeah. Adam, what do you yes. think? You know, never, I never really thought about it. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me because, you know, it, it's a, it's not the answer you want, but it's a fictional character, you know, <laughs> that I just created this kid. And so, I don't think in those terms, you know, I just think of what works for this movie. And here's the, here's the difference. Here's the difference. We never watched the movie as a movie fan. You did. That's true. And, and as, and as a baseball fan. Yes. As a baseball fan and a movie fan. So these things were happening. These people were real for the two hours or hour 40 that you watch, you know, as we all do when you, you watch a thing and, and you feel bad when someone when this happens or, or excited when something happens but it was never we didn't have this is the problem when you're on the other side of the camera you never get that experience so you, it never occurs to you it just couldn't be farther from unless you're really thinking about you know what's mission impossible six going to be right. um <laughs> uh it, it just doesn't it just isn't how you look at it and yet you could look at the next movie and really be invested in going, I wonder what happened to that guy. I wonder if he ever came back. Um, but yeah. not on not yeah. on one you create because it's it's all you know mirrors and and Right. You know. So I mean, after you know, after but, listening but, to you guys crush my dreams, I'm just going to say that <laughs> that Billy does come back and manage. Um I uh, just want to get through a couple well, more that's, things. That's what I meant. You know that's what, what like, I meant to say. That's yeah, what I meant yeah, to no, say. no, you, you, you nailed it. Um, my, but you I, know, like, like for me, this is what made me really happy. I just, if you look when he's talking to Jerry Johnson about, uh, you know, 
he was offered baseball cards. Right. Well, Sammy Sosa was nothing at the time, but I kept hearing Sammy Sosa was going to be unbelievable. Obviously, somebody knew he was going to get a hold of uh, a certain batch of, you know, medicine, shall we yes, say. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, and, and also uh, a corked bat. Yeah, but I just kept saying, Sammy Sosa, that's, cause at, at the time, that was absolutely no inducement at all to make <laughs> trade at Jerry Johnson for Sammy Sosa. Right. And that's also one of my favorite so, lines where he says, am I supposed to tell my wife I just got cut by a 12-year-old, but it's okay because he likes my baseball card? Yeah. Love that line. Yeah. Um, I just want to get through a few more of my, my favorite lines in the movie, and then and then we can uh, we can wrap this up. But I just, I just have to go over some of my other favorite lines. We went over the DH in the American League. Um, but one line that I always repeat with with my family is uh, when uh, when they're talking about, you know, their reaction to, to Billy becoming the manager. And, you know, uh, the guy says, uh, the kids, they are amazing. I played winter ball down in Venezuela. Every one of them speaking Spanish. Now, that's a hard language. And and Lou goes, they speak Spanish in Venezuela. And he goes, I know. That's my point. That's uh, a real story. It is. That's Someone actually said that. Yep. Uh there was a, you know, I, I used to play tennis and we were over in, which is why it's even better. We were in Portugal and there was a guy from the United States whose name I don't really need to tell you. And he said that to me and I said, you know, but he kept saying Spanish and I was going, it's, it's Portugal, Joe, it's Portugal. <laughs> They're not speaking Spanish, but I, but he kept saying, he said, man, that's a hard thing. And every one of those shorties is speaking uh, Spanish. Shorties and he being goes, kids. That's a hard language. Yeah, kids. So that that he um, he was a real guy who had many many. He asked me how many of their when we were exchanging money. He asked how many of their tens went into one of their hundreds. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the level we're talking. I love we're that. talking about. He had he had thousands of those. Um, and what what was the other one besides that? Oh, the um, uh, my favorite my favorite riddle is cowboy rides into town oh, yeah. on Friday. It's just it's just so so brilliant. Um, and it's perfect for a baseball team. Yeah, it is. It is perfect for a baseball team. And my my question is so, and I'm I'm terrible at math. And the math problem at the end before they play the big game, and everyone's trying to take their crack at it. And Bowers comes in with his uh, his weird way of explaining it. Um, is that the true answer? Is Bowers' yes. answer the true answer? Okay, that's yes. what I thought. Yes, yeah. Um, it's actually you know it's a it's a you know well known formula if you're studying that stuff and right and that would be an example of a question you get and they go oh yeah it's that I know the formula. The chalk, if you please. A thank you. Using the simple formula A times B over A plus B, we arrive at our answer of one and seven eighths. Wow, are you sure? Oh, oh, but of course, my diminutive leader. Long have I been familiar with the exactitudes of the mathematical world. And Mac, the horse's name is Friday. Well, the one guy says, like, I should know this. My uncle's a painter. Um, so many, so many brilliant lines. Uh, one other question I want to ask you that I saw kind of percolating, uh, online, a couple of the articles that I read, um, is about the hidden ball 
pickoff move uh, that they end up getting Ken Griffey Jr. out in, in one of the final scenes where uh, Bowers throws over there once um, and then he throws over there again and they pretend like the ball, you know, rolls up, you know, mm-hmm. through the bullpen and all that. Um, one of the one of the critiques is that, you know, is that is that a balk? Uh, no, it is no. not. It is not a balk. Well, the, the reason it, the, the, Dick Dick Such was the pitching coach of the twins at the time. And I and I just said, if he breaks with the rubber, it's not a balk. Correct. He goes, absolutely. Exactly. So unfortunately, you don't see it, but he did it. <laughs> he breaks with the rubber. He steps back, hundred percent. You know, I and I that was the that was done in the College World Series. Yes, okay, that play. But because, I forgot that we had the Twins pitching coach, so that, that Adam wanted to make sure he did it correctly. So, right. Yeah. And 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 I knew that rule when I when I read that. Oh, you know, it could it could be a balk. I I looked back at at that scene and. You're right. You can't see him step off, but I do know for a fact yeah. that if he steps behind the rubber, he can throw wherever right. he wants. He can fake it, whatever. He becomes another fielder. But yeah. if he actually does to go make, if he actually is still connected to the rubber and tries to make a pickoff move, it then is a balk. Um, mm-hmm. So okay, yeah. just wanted to just wanted so to clear named, that up for a everyone. A guy named uh, guy named Phil Stevenson who ended up with the Cubs for a little bit was uh, the guy who got picked off in the College World Series. And our right fielder played for LSU in college. They had Joey Bell. Well, Albert Bell was Joey Bell at the time. Mm -hmm. They had a ton of major leaguers on that team, one of the great, great college teams. And their coach was involved in that play. Wow. And he was telling them all about it. And I said to the guy, because he told me that years later, and I said, how did you not mention it on the set? <laughs> you know, I, I, just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, he, th- he was involved. His coach was, you know. That's why so. That's why this, this movie just works uh, be- because of the intricate details, the intricate plays, the very specific uh, baseball rules that have to be applied in order for a play to make sense. Um, it's why I don't, you know... It's why it's why I don't consider like you know like the Sandlot or or Angels in the Outfield or Rookie of the Year. I, I don't really consider them um, my in my top baseball movies be, because there are some you know some baseball flaws in there that that it just kind of makes the movie not not so much fun. Even Field of Dreams too uh, with Shoeless Joe Jackson. Um, yeah. You know, Batting batting right-handed. I mean, that just completely ruins it for me um, because if you're going for heightened reality anyway, um, you want the other stuff that is rooted in reality to be true. And and that's why I I, I love this movie so much. Um, Kevin Elster Elster was literally saying, what's the count? And he'd move two feet to his left or right. That's his position. Right. Because you and Andy goes, you think they're having? Andy said, you think they're having these discussions in up their movies? I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. There were there were two little two little things. One, a thing that made me very happy is that I've heard Ken Griffey talk in, in the past, where he used to watch this with his kids, and and he'd watch it, and he he really liked it. He'd watch it every year for a while, so that made me feel good. And the other thing is, and Adam, you know his name, Ashley Crow, who played. 
Billy's mom had an, a son after we made the movie, because he's much younger than 27. And he was the first round pick this year of the New York Mets. Um, what's his name? Last, last year. Last Pete, year, I mean. Pete Crow, Pete Crow Armstrong. Yes, I did see that story. It's an un- unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, so. one of the weird things, but. That's why, that's why baseball's mm-hmm. great. Well, yep. guys, thank you guys so much for, for doing this with me. Um, I, I know that some of my, you know, baseball questions are, <laughs> you know, I, listen, I, if I'm having these thoughts and feelings about, you know, Billy's managerial tactics, I'm sure a lot of other people are as well. And, and that's why it is such a, a fun thing to talk about because all of the baseball stuff is so authentic that you would be having these conversations if you were, let's say, a fan of well, this Twins team. Let me, just real quick, you know, there there were a few plays where uh, ball four and Elster just runs through first base around the second. Right. And it's mentioned, but it's true, there's a book called The Glory of Their Times by Lawrence Ritter. And for me, it's the best baseball book ever. And it's an oral history of baseball at the turn of, the century, you know, 1900. And all this stuff was real. And it was really, it just stuck with me. That's why, you know, the Dazzy Vance play where there were, you know, he tripled into a, a double play or a triple play. That all happened. You know, the Little when, League, when the opening did, play in the Little League. Yeah, the Little League. Yeah. All those things were real and they were all uh, just sort of, stuck in my head because I have, you know, nothing well, I else remember, to do. <laughs> I remember playing in Little League where we would practice that play that you talked about with Kevin Elster where he gets the walk and then takes off for second because... Is that right? Yes, That's we would it, practice that because we were like, this, you know, this little catcher doesn't have the arm to get it to second base and they don't have the wherewithal to catch it and then throw it back home. So we would run that play all the time and you know the worst case scenario is that you end up with the runners runners at second and third best case scenario you end up with a run so <laughs> it, it, it yep. definitely it definitely was something that that uh that really resonated with me but anyways guys you guys were uh, this was terrific i hope that everybody has much fun listening to you guys as as i did and uh loves this movie as much as i did again i would uh encourage you to re-watch the movie if you haven't or watch the movie if you haven't as well um it'll make listening to this a lot more fun um if you haven't listened to the movie um you know hopefully you like the three of us enough to continue listening to it but at any rate you guys are great and uh i want to thank you for for joining me for a meeting on the mound well thanks jake appreciate it thank you Thank you.